Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with The Great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, find out about special live events, or buy that merch, aka that hat I always wear, go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. For a little bit of context, we just wanted you to know that a lot of these were recorded before quarantine. And as we know, a lot has changed in 2020. So again, please stay safe out there and enjoy the new episodes of And The Writer Is. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's guest is a multi-nominated writer whose powerhouse skill has elevated her from underdog to superstar. Having helped author most of one of pop's biggest names, Ariana Grande's discography, she certainly has lived up to the lyric I want it. I got it. <laughs> but she is not just another writer. After being featured on a number of records, she most recently released her own critically acclaimed album, Jaguar. You'll hear this woman's name often in the near future because she's unanimously listed as the next breakthrough artist. And the writer is Victoria Monet. Yay! <laughs> what an intro. Thank you. <laughs> I wish we had like an impromptu theme, like a da 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 da. Oh yeah, like, the you know, feels, <laughs> feels like you're like you're like I intro, and then you're just like come through the curtain and be there for like yes. the, the interview. We need the imaginary uh, crowd cheers. Yeah, Woo-hoo. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to add that for sure. Yes, but um, uh. I just want so let's go let's go to the beginning you know uh you're you're born in Georgia Yeah uh you're, I didn't you raised in Georgia yeah No I born in Atlanta raised in Sacramento so there's not much that I remember like as a kid in Atlanta um Sacramento's my town um so brought you to Sacramento My my grandpa actually had moved to Sacramento with all of his brothers and sisters um because my great grandpa was in the military. So there was a military base there. And then there was a lot of great state jobs and opportunities because my family was originally all from Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Um, and then they just kind of migrated. And I guess me and my mom were on the other, the lagging end of that. So my grandpa came and got us and drove us across country to Sacramento and just, we stuck it out there. Who are the other musicians in your family? Oh my goodness. Um, I have so many self-proclaimed and really, really great ones as well. (laughs) Um, my mom sings, my grandma was a singer. She sang opera often. Um, my grandpa played the saxophone. He played pool. He plays harmonica. He plays bass. And I have aunts that have great voices as well. So it's kind of like everywhere I look, you know, so are like holidays basically just everyone singing and playing music? Well, you know, or- my family loves to celebrate and do events together, which is what one thing I really love about them. So they find kind of reasons to get together all the time. But in holidays, like it's more like talent show vibes. Like we'll have a family Christmas party and all the kids will have to go up and like 
show their talent. So it's like some play piano, some are doing like biblical skits and some are singing and, you know, just all kinds of fun stuff. My aunt, my aunt Phyllis is the one who's always leading us with the song, beautiful voice. Um, so yeah, it just feels kind of like that all the time. <laughs> when did you start singing? Like obviously probably just when you were basically born in that kind of family now. Um, I actually was more shy as a kid, so I gravitated more towards dance. I love, I always loved music, and I knew I wanted to sing and perform, but I was just too shy to open my mouth, even in regular conversations. So I would just more so use my body because it was a silent sport, and I just, you know, I think I got confident learning to dance, like maybe around 11, 12, and then continuing that through high school. Um, and usually when I, sang for someone, I'd make them turn around. Like they, I was like, can you not look at me? And I'll, then I'll sing. Um, but I got over that <laughs> and just, Clearly. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I feel like, you know, the little kid, the little girl in me would be proud. Of, like, look at her. She's not shy anymore. <laughs> so it was good. Did, did you study dance? Like, did you go to classes and stuff? Or was it sort of something that you just naturally have this ability to move? When I was young, it was that way. Yeah, yeah. just moving naturally, loving music, watching my mom. She had a ton of rhythm. And then um, I took it more seriously in high school and I went to a performing arts school. Um, and then also outside of school in Sacramento. Yeah. And there was this group called Boogie Monsters who was, who was, um, trained by the founder of Jabberwockies. So then I started getting more into hip hop and like really training and dance, taking it really seriously in school and after school. With San Francisco being kind of close to Sacramento, I mean, not that close, but a lot closer than LA. Did you end up seeing, I mean, I, I feel like Sacramento doesn't get all the same kind of international Love dance company, the same kind of artist, the way that, that, you know, San Francisco gets. Where Would you go into, did you guys end up spending a lot of time there? Or like, how did you see, how were you exposed to great art? I feel like, you know, Sacramento has a, like a lot of talent. We just, the thing is, I feel like a lot of people don't ever leave. So if you're in Sacramento, you know, like there's a bunch of underground talent that should be seen. But um, I think I really got to see the next level traveling with Boogie Monsters. We would do competitions all up and down Sac uh, California. So we, I would come to L.A. with Boogie Monsters, San Diego, San Jose and like see other dancers and what was going on. And also just um, the Internet was was really helpful just like watching YouTube videos and seeing what other people are doing or hearing about people even going to Juilliard or in the, on the ballet side, how you can actually take it seriously in school. I never really had that interest. I always was like, I'm just, I'm going to go to LA. Like LA was always my, my end goal. Um, so yeah, I just, was it dance though? Is that why you like when you came down to LA, was that, than to pursue dancing more than music? No, I actually came to LA to audition for this girl group as a singer. Um, because I was already, while I was dancing and doing that in high school, I was also writing music on the side. Um, I never had any, a bunch of like performances in Sacramento, but I was more singing in the studio all of the time, writing songs, listening to them, trying to submit them to the local radio stations and doing that whole run. So I, imagine myself as a full package when moving to LA, like I can sing and dance and write. Um, and so I just continued that theme and I moved to pursue teaching you that, like that's, that's like, um, that's a really sophisticated, it, it's so, it seems so simple, but mm -hmm. to tell somebody in high school, who's not in LA, you should be the whole package. <laughs> Like, are you, are you that intuitive? Do you have, like, did you have any, like, who, who, how do you figure that out? You know what? I think it was the musicals that me and my grandma were watching. Cause everyone was like, I was, I was loving Dick Van Dyke and I was like on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or, or like, you know, um, Sound of Music. Like everyone. It's like, and I also mentioned acting as well, although I haven't really pursued that 
yet. Um, sure. Just seeing that whole picture, Dorothy Dandridge, the mm-hmm. you know her her biopic, like just realizing that okay, these are the type of performers I like. I like MJ. I like Janet Jackson. I like Beyonce. These are the pe- the things that they do. So it was just kind of like going off of what I've seen, what I like best, you know. How did you get in the studios in Sacramento? I mean, there's not a lot of, there can't be a ton of studios. And if you're saying, you know, how are you, who's saying to you, I want, you know, it's not free to go into studios. Like, are you going, being in Sacramento and like you were saying, you're, while you're dancing and while you're in school, you're doing this on the side. Yeah. So how did, even get how did you get involved in recording music that's a it's a big difference even from musical theater i mean not everybody who's in musical theater gets the opportunity to go and write music or record music right well i i will mention that the studios i was recording in weren't real studios they were more like a friend that had a setup in the room and then we'd have like a bunch of styrofoam and on the or sheets on the closet door and just record and so just having friends that were into using pro tools and already kind of trying to figure out their their lane as engineers and you know producers and then just going in with them and collaborating with them the one time i got to go into an official studio was this time where my mom happened to know the bass player an old bass player of janet jackson and he let me write to one of his beats he's like i'll give you these three and you need to choose one he was kind of like testing me so then i wrote to one of his beats and ended up that was my first studio experience um recording myself my own you know doing harmonies and figuring it out and it's so funny because I still have the song and I'm like, wow, I really, I've changed. I've gotten so much better, but there's still some, like some of the same like ideas and habits in there. So it's just interesting to hear. What What's the song? It's called Give Me All You Got. <laughs> Can you sing it? <laughs> Neb. You know what? One day I'll be brave enough to re- unleash it to the internet so they can pick it apart. But I just listen to it for comical relief nowadays. <laughs> it's more like one of those. But I think that's what's so cool about it is that a lot of writers are writers because they always wanted, like it was somewhere in there. Yeah. It's not because they were, oh, I want to go get rich, so I'm going to go and pursue the music industry. Oh, it's like, no, they were like, they wanted to write a song, <laughs> right, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. So uh, I love that sort of early on intuition that that's what made you want to do it. Yeah. When were you writing good songs though at that at that age in high school? I would say no. My mom will always say yes, <laughs> um, but I do think I guess when people hear my first songs, they're like, "Oh, that's not like you already had something. It wasn't like you were just so far off that." it's really unheard of that you would end up here in the next 10 years. But um, yeah, I, I don't think they were great or, or even good. I think they were nice attempts at, at songs. And I just learned through experience, learned through just touching and feeling and like, you know, going through everything. And even my collaborators, like learning from people I was working with and just trying to pay attention you developed a pretty unique sound as a writer, oh, which is probably the reason why you have like the, you know, the name you have in the music industry is because you write in in a in a really unique way that like magnifies the certainly in in Ari's case like you know really magnifies her talent, but your ability to write really shines as something that's unique. What what were the inspirations for you to, you know, it's it's hard for writers to define a sound. That's part of the problem. A lot of people want to be songwriters, but they don't necessarily take a risk to sound it, um, to sound on the, the the sort of the fringe of the box. So they end up sounding just like the middle. Right, but right. It sounds like you have a lot of a lot of different inspirations, but where does it come from for you? You know what? I think I think it's just me combining everything that I've seen and learned. Be- because um, 
Oh, I've always been a spongy person, a spongy kid. Like always, if I saw my mom do something, I'd be able to imitate it or, you know, looking at commercials, being able to kind of recite them back at a young age, just kind of a sponge only child, just every always watching my surroundings. So I feel like some of the musical influences that I have just have become part of my DNA and just I'm regurgitating them just in my own ver in my own way and I'm not even really thinking about it. It's just based on my life and all the different types of things that I've heard. My family was listening to so many different types of music and um I mean, not necessarily types of music, but artists, like a, a wide variety of different artists. And so I think just absorbing those things and going through my life and just having my own style. I wasn't really, I've never really been the type to say, um, this hit song is out. Let's make something like this. I never really attack the era that we're in. I kind of just, and maybe that's the bullheaded tourist thing to do. I just do what I feel and want. And sometimes it works, <laughs> it works out. Yeah. I mean, clearly when you moved down to LA you know, probably what, eight years ago, 10 years ago? About, like 10, that. about 10 years ago, yeah. So is it you and your mom that moved down? Who comes down no, with you? I came by myself. I, I, My mom trusted, because um, I was signing to a super producer, um, and I was with two other girls, and um, so she trusted me to go down with the girls, and we went through some really, really tough times. And I think that's where I got my grit in music and just, you know, the, my first taste of what it could be like as a hard life or, or, you know, maybe not a favorable contract and what hard work really looks like. And so, um, it was a lot of trust for my mom. And I think, um, especially for me being an only child, she would always check in and I, and I had this habit of making sure she thought everything was just fine until I got through it. You know, like, yo, it's cool. Like, I'm good. And then later on in my, like, later in interviews, I'd be asked and she was like, you were going through that. Why did you tell me? Like, that whole thing. But um, it was just me and two other girls moving down. We ended up staying with one of the producers, D-Mile, who I still work with to this day. He let us um, crash at his house and grind it How out. How am I say hi? Yeah, yeah, D. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Big heart. Is that... What was the group that you guys, um, what was the name of the group? It was called Purple Rain. <laughs> and did it, was that through, when you say super producer, is that Rodney Jerkins? Is that the? Yes, through Dark Child. And then we signed through Dark Child to Motown. Right, yeah. right. Um, were you guys able to release any music through that? Well, we've released a mixtape. Um and then we recorded an entire album, actually, um, but that never got released. There was some kind of merge with the labels, and then they dropped us in the merge. But um, we had a lot of really great, cool R&B music, and um, the mixtapes were, were really fun, too. We would flip songs that were currently out and then make them change the words. LaShawn Daniels was writing and helping us switch the lyrics up and give us vocal producers and give us harmonies. And I think that's really where I got my foundation for how to add all of those layers still to the Did you, were you writing all this stuff for the band or were you, no. you know, some of it outside? Like, were you writing any of it at that time? Not for the group. I like, we recorded for about like seven months and then I kind of begged Rodney. I was like, please, I really write. Like I'm not, cause we were just, he just picked us out of our hometowns. And so I don't know that he trusted that we could write anything or do, you know, what beyond just singing and performing. So that's what we came to do an audition for. So then one day he let me, try writing and so then from then on I was just like writing to his stuff writing for, with his producers writing you know all kinds of all kinds of things but never for the group um and then that's when I, my, my first placement came with Diddy Dirty Money through just writing he like gave me a chance to write and so it worked out I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. In those first releases are with just some massive <laughs> artists and you're even like featured on them so to be featured on ti or nas or you know these are just like they're the they're like some like generational talent kind of names um at that point you know you had just been in a girl group but you're being featured as an artist are you now like at this point are you thinking i'm gonna go and pursue being a writer i'm gonna do be an artist i'm gonna do the dancing thing i mean you have so many skill sets. Right. Are you letting the world happen to you? I mean, how do you deal with going from the disappointment of getting dropped to then having features on the biggest artists of that you well, know, to be honest, era? There, to be honest, there was some space in between the dismantling of the group because that wasn't by choice. Um, I was fully into pursuing the group. And so then the group got dropped and then the, um, two of the girls decided to move out of L.A. And I was still... T- to be frank, in the contract, trying to get out of that specific contract oh. with under, uh, not with Motown, Motown dropped us, but with Rodney. And so in that process, I was just writing and writing and writing and, you know, just trying to figure it out because I couldn't really pursue the artist side. And then eventually my writing kind of took precedence over artistry. And then when I was able to get out of clear of all contracts, then the, writing led to me being able to be featured on certain things and I could say yes, you know, I could do those things. So um, I'm, it really gave me different confidence when someone like Nas was willing to keep me on his song. I'm like, there, this is no benefit to you, but you just really like my voice that much or my writing. And it just made me feel so appreciated and like humbled and just excited, you know, motivation to keep pursuing that, you know. When you think, you know, how do you think of yourself? Do you think of yourself as an artist, a writer, a dancer, or do you think of yourself as all of them? You know, if if I say like, oh, what, you know, what do you do? Do you say I'm a, oh, I'm a, I'm a songwriter, or do you say, oh, I'm a, I you know, a singer? I see artist because I feel like that encompasses all of those things. Um, I think artists write an artist emote, an artist dance, an artist perform. And so I feel like that's the overarching umbrella that describes all. Um, but at one point I definitely was like, I'm a dancer, you know, like in high school, I was more confident with just saying that one thing, but now I feel versed in songwriting and versed in artistry. And I'm like, no, this is something that I can be all at once. And then eventually I'll add actress to that title <laughs> as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, all of these, you know, throughout these years, you don't slow down. Usually, you know, I say it in some other interviews, but part of what's really interesting to me are what happens in between successes, because that's usually when all the buildings happen. But you're doing like the building while the successes are starting to happen. And some of my, I guess part of it is who's introducing you to, you know, the Nas's, the TI's, the Ariana's at that point? Who's, who's like, how are you getting it? How are, how is your music getting in front of that? Really? Um, I had a writing partner named Tommy Brown at the time, and we did all of our writing together. Everything was together. He had a publishing deal, um, and his publisher would always suggest different collaborations, different, um, you know, who's looking lists and all of that stuff to submit to. Um, and so at the time... As well, speaking about Ariana specifically at the time, um, his A&R was like, you know, there's this 
artist that she's on Nickelodeon and she's doing this show, but she really wants to cross into music and do this whole thing. So at the, the first time I worked with her, she still had red hair. She still, you know, it was like at the very beginning stages, way before her first album. So it was really, um, I think I got really blessed with the opportunity to see, start from, from, you know, the beginning and be able to kind of be there and, you know, through the process, because I think it's harder when you, you know, trying to, if I were to try to write for her today for the first time, I feel, I feel like, you know, that's a little bit more of a challenge because she's already who she is. So I feel like just, you know, building with somebody and then knowing that you trusted that in their talent, not, and not the fame and, you know, all of those things before it happened, I think there's a different kind of bond there. Um, so that's been like a, not a career long thing for her. Cause she had a whole career before song, you know, songs and artistry, but just from album one all the way through, I feel like there's always been this, you know, togetherness and bond. As far as Nas goes, I think it was through a label. Like maybe someone had um, told him about me. And at the time he didn't, I don't know that he heard all of my music, um, but he already had this song that was written and he had an open hook. So I just went in there and wrote the hook and sang the hook. And and he decided to keep me on it, which I was really shocked about because I was kind of writing it, assuming that he would get another legend to, <laughs> to sing it over. Um, but I think also those types of things, when, when he validates you, then it makes it more cool for other people to be like, oh, you know, just kind of, it's kind of like a, a an effect that just keeps on rolling up and, you know, people, I guess is a good cosign, basically, you know, yeah. to easily believe in you when there's someone else successful that's believing in you too. Well, and that's a, a guy who's also, a, you know, a quadruple threat. Yeah. You know, he, right, he can, he can do everything. Right. He can act and he can, you know, so it's, and he, and it's all credible. Right. It's like, that's a, a cosign. Like that. and you, can't, you can't even, you can't even choose that. You can't you can't choose that stuff. That stuff kind of happens in a career, right? And, and at that point, it could have been somebody who is not Nas who would ask you. And at that point, you might even want to still take that, but it wouldn't be Nas. Right. And it's like for him to do that is it really is very cool. Yeah, it's a um, lot. He even brought me on a late night television show to perform the song with him. It just made what show was that? Um. I'm forgetting the name because it got it. It's off now. It got canceled. Did were you nervous about about performing on TV having not done it? Yeah, really sick in the stomach. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> it was really terrifying. Um, but um, he made me feel really comfy. Um, and yeah, like just a really good time, and it made my family proud. Because after having so much promise, when you move away to LA, you're like, "Yes, I'm signing, and I'm going to this girl group." And family hears Motown, and they're like, "Oh, Mo!" Like you know, it seems like a really promising trajectory. And then for things to kind of crumble a little bit, like to hear that you've been dropped, or to hear that now you just you're kind of behind the scenes and stuff. But then for them to be able to see you on television is like an a triumph to let them know, like okay, things are not going so crazy. Like she's doing well. She's, you know, still pursuing things and really happy and people are seeing that. So that was a good a moment for me and the fam. I think one thing that's interesting about even, you know, if you look back right now, if you, somebody says Nas or TI, it means something different than what it meant in 2012. Right. Just like if somebody says, Ariana, now they'd look at their, they'd look at current charts and uh, assume that it was always that way. Right. When you were working with her in the beginning, she wasn't who she is now. Right. It wasn't that, I mean, none of us were who we were, whatever, seven years <laughs> yeah. ago. So it's not, it's not a knock on it. It's just what happens as an artist matures and, and being with her, you know, throughout this development is a loyalty that's really well rewarded in something like Thank You Next, that whole, you know, how many songs you have, because you were there during the albums, like you were saying, in in the early phases. Right. But it's not just them. I mean, even the Fifth Harmony album, you end up with a lot, almost all these albums you have 
not just one song, but you have multiple songs. You have three, four songs, five, six songs. Yeah. Purposefully write for an artist when you're there, or are you always writing in a way from your experience and they see themselves in that? You know, how are you, how are the, how do you guys find the synergy? It's not just, you know, it's, so many of these projects you have multiple songs yes well i think in the very beginning um it was just me writing for placements like writing not even necessarily from my perspective all the time but knowing that someone else is going to record these songs and want these songs so trying to put myself in just just um lyrical spaces that are are widely applicable like just you know not too general, but just subject matters that I know a woman would relate to and not too specific to me or, um, you know, even with males, just trying to trying to generalize a little bit. And then I feel like when I get with an artist, there's just some kind of chemistry and I love building friendships and relationships and like hearing out what they're actually going through, hearing from the A&R what they're looking for or from the artist what they're looking for. Um, and then trying to go back and create that as well. So like my entry to their project is usually just one song that I've kind of generally wrote and didn't know who it was for. And then when they're still working, they're like, can we do more? Let's do these more specific things. Or or it could be just multiple songs that they just really love because there's a certain style that is fitting their voice and all of that. So it really depends. But nowadays it's more so that I go in with the artists and we kind of we talk more from jump, like, what is it that you want to do with, with me and Ariana specifically? Our working relationship is very much, we have a day and there's no song. We come out at the end of that day with the song, you know, like not necessarily me writing by myself anymore and submitting and, you know, she wants to be involved. She wants to share and her experiences and we write together and, you know, it feels more collaborative than it was on album one. Album one was like, okay, we submitted these songs and then, you know, a little bit less. Um, I think the celebration that you guys were able to have on this last album, yeah, you know, what was really public in like a really cool way where I think people got, um, she's done a really good job at highlighting her collaborators. For sure. And uh, unlike a lot of, I think, the cliche of pop stars who want to sort of ignore that they didn't do it alone right. when we all know they right. didn't. Right. She's right. somebody who's like, because she opens the door for her collaborators, you respect her more and you see her as more of a talent than, than the person in, who we all know didn't do it alone and right. who just doesn't really it. credit. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what um, I'm really thankful for about her is just, you know, acknowledgement. Because I feel like all of those um, accolades are great, but if you have no one to celebrate them with, or if you have, you know, a team that doesn't feel appreciated, then, you know, it's not as much of a reward. It doesn't, I, I would imagine that it doesn't feel as good. So I feel I'm happy that I have her to celebrate it with. And I have, I'm happy that she acknowledges everyone that's involved as well. Like it's not just her win, it's all of our, all of ours, you know, so that's a really nice element that I don't know that I see that much. I wish I would see it more, <laughs> you know, because songwriters work really diligently to try and make um, make their voices heard or make their artists that they're working with really happy and satisfied with the work. And they do they put the best foot forward. And sometimes when it's not um, acknowledged and rewarded, even by the artists as, as much so as much of a thank you. Then, what do you think artists are afraid of giving credit? I think the world's mean. Like, I think maybe the, what they hear from the world is that if you if you didn't write this, then you're not as talented. Or if you, you know, um, you had help, then the the attention should be distributed from you to other people. You know, I think maybe it's just like a psychological thing, and maybe. I don't know, maybe it's what labels would tell the artist to do or um, I'm not really sure, but I think it's something that should stop <laughs> for sure. Like, it's okay. I think it's great to not do everything all by yourself. 
you know, I think that makes your idea more relatable to more stories in the world because you're bringing in people with different experiences than you. So I definitely appreciate the artists that are always open to be real about their collaborators. You know, I don't like the term ghostwriter, you know, it's because you're like, right. Huh? Totally. <laughs> so, um, I want to go to your artist project, yes. which, you know, and we were talking about it before, but it's like we spend a lot of time in our, people don't realize how long it takes for projects to actually come out. Like you can't even describe how long it actually takes. And here you actually, you, you know, it finally is out. It just came out. Um, how does it feel? It really, it's, it's a bittersweet almost. It's like you've, you've, um, you've built this thing so up so much and you've had it in your phone and you've, you know, worked on it, but it almost feels like you, you're ready for the, you want them to have the next thing. And, you know, people consume so fast that they're almost, they're like, okay, when's part two? When's the new music? It's like already maybe the same day that you just released one thing. So now I'm, I'm just at the phase where it's like, oh, you know, like I want to make sure that everyone's still happy, still enjoying things, but I feel really good. Like it just feels good to finally have something, give something to the world that you've had for a really long time and you've kind of been talking about. It's almost like the boy who cried wolf. You're like, so are you going to put the music out that you've been holding or not? <laughs> it's like, you know, so I'm, I'm happy that. What are your expectations for the listener when they hear it? I really want them to find out things about themselves because I feel like I, when I was writing the project, I learned a lot about myself and how much I do and don't care about certain things, um, especially just judgment. And, you know, I learned to be more honest, um, more vulnerable, trying to portray my thoughts, but in um, a more beautiful way. Cause you know, the base of my thoughts are really as an artist, very blunt, <laughs> but I try to, you know, wrap them up in a nice musical package that feels artful more than anything. Um, but when people listen to the project, I want them to hear those things and see what they're comfortable with themselves, see what they gravitate towards. We introduced them to live music elements that I feel like a lot of times that we're missing in music because everything is, you know, you're able to produce so much with just, you know, digital things that people can play chords by pressing letters on the keyboard. So I just missed those acoustic feels. And I wanted to have that um, in the music as well and give musicians something to be excited about. Um, so there's so many elements in, that went into making it. So I hope that all of that is absorbed and heard through the, every listen of the project. When people go back to going to live shows, are you going to tour? I'm definitely going to tour. I made the music based on tour performances. Like when I'm thinking about, I have a song called Jaguar that is a title track of the project that has a whole horn section. And I'm literally, I'm like, okay, this is a part where I can engage with fans. This is a part where we can dance. There's a break. The band is going to do, like I already kind of have it in my head as to what I would like the show to look like. And that that's been a part of the process when even making the music. Um, I'm trying to operate almost as if I'm a band even without having one, but the way Earth, Wind and Fire show feels or even Bruno does a really good job of making that, that band feel come to life. So that was always a goal. And I really can't wait to get on a stage and tour. And it's crazy that we can't <laughs> right now. I mean, this is the, obviously like we could talk about how crazy this year is on so many levels. And it's, um, it, I guess, I know it's going to still get crazier. We still have an election in a, in a couple months, but speaking of which, it's like, how has the Black Lives Matter movement helped hurt, you know, the, your placement in the music industry, has it changed anything? Is there anything, you know, how do you feel about 
the the current state of the music industry and you know as it pertains to that um to- uh, i feel like we've opened the doors to some really important conversations and i think a lot of people are learning a lot of things and including myself some things that i wasn't aware of that are are happening or even new history that i'm learning about by reading and you know things are being brought to the surface that definitely need to be addressed so i think that that's been the silver lining of some of the crazy bad horrifying things that have been happening um is just the opportunity to grow from learn from change from um and i think people are really genuinely trying to do so i do feel like the more time goes on the more numb people are to it and the more um I guess people need to be reminded of how it's still not a fixed problem. So I think it's going to need to be a continued conversation, of course, and whether or not it's through actual songs, because I think sometimes if you put all of these negative things in songs, it doesn't give people the, the escapism that you need. I think you need a balance of both songs that will really make you feel better and songs that really truly address the actual issues lyrically that, are happening and kind of reflect the times. Um, so I think that I've heard about a good balance of both types of music, but outside of music, just as humans is what we really should be focused on. Um, just trying to heal and communicate with each other better. So, What do you think the music industry could do better? Um, you know, I think, like income is a huge problem in the music industry for songwriters. The way that we get paid in comparison to producers, the way that we get paid in comparison to the artists, like it's just all, you know, certain things that need to be fixed and addressed very quickly. Um, You know, streaming services and the way that money is distributed um, how much money is absorbed through record labels in comparison to the songwriters that actually make the music. It just, all of these really big imbalances and checks and balance are, are, um, are a big issue. And I feel like one reason why maybe songwriters can be more discouraged easier because they're not provided the right income. You know, it takes so much, so like nine months after a, a song comes out for us to see anything. And then when you see something, it's just not as, um, it's not as prevalent as what the, this producer who did the same and probably even less than the songwriter did to make the song. So I feel like that needs to be addressed. Um, the fact that songwriters don't get paid when they make a song or when they spend time in the studio. So if you look at everyone in the session, you know, the engineers, they're getting paid a day rate while the songwriters just, you know, operating on a wish and a dream, you know, we're just trying to make it happen. So I think those things just from a songwriter's perspective could definitely be addressed and changed and tried to make better. Um, also, I think that they're trying to do this in the music industry, but just um, making it a, even, a better playing field for everyone who identifies in every way. So LGBTQ plus um, people, you know, people of color, women, any of the underdogs that aren't, you know, are misrepresented in the workspaces. I think that needs to be kind of leveled out so that that reflects more of what the world looks like which would help what music reflect what the world looks like. No doubt. And I think that's the thing. It's like, it's actually about doing actionable things and making sure that if you sign writers to make sure that you're signing writers that may, maybe don't look just like you. And if you're going to sign artists to not sign just artists that look like you. And, you know, uh, uh, a friend of mine was saying like, we're, we're sick of hearing, you know, another, another song about a straight white guy, you know, that, that was the end of the statement. And you're like, Oh yeah, that, you know, it was like, we do have that song. We've heard that song. Right. It's it's important to make sure that it's not only that again right. and that you can open up the conversation to other things. Right. Like, I, th- I think people don't realize with songwriting, how much of it is point of view. Yeah. Like yeah. it's actually, you're, you're writing it, you know, in, you know, you grew up doing musical theater. It's like this is, there's an actual character who has to sing a song to another character or to themselves, but maybe they're in a different place in their life. But 
it's a really well-defined point of view. It's not just somebody who's on stage saying, you know, I want, uh, or just with some random analogy about love. It actually is like has, they, they want something. There's like a purpose in, in doing it. And it's, and it's like one of the things of diversifying your point of view, it allows us to see actually what other people want. Right. You know, and it gives you empathy for... Like it gives you empathy for people who aren't like you if the songs are written from the point of view of people who aren't like you. Right. It's also necessary. Just um, it's almost like comparing to a movie. Like you wouldn't watch the same movie all your life. So why are you forced to listen to the same type of artist to do the same type of song? You know, like it's very, you know, it can get very predictable. So I feel like maybe the internet has definitely changed that a lot and shown you know, what people want to, to see and hear. But I think as far as streaming services and radio, where things are a little bit more controlled, people can still find room to di- diversify. Yeah, no doubt. Are you going to ever, I feel like you'd be a really good record exec. Oh, thank you. You know what? You ever, I would actually want to sign, do you, do you have any writers signed to you? No, no, I don't. And I think I would want to do that at an older age because I, I want to be the, the executive that signs you, but also is, is able to pay certain attention and groom and help on in lifestyle stuff, not just like write this song for me. So I would want it to feel more family oriented, which I feel like I would have more room to do when I'm a little older. And I want to do, you know, move into other types of writing as well. So when I sign writers for music, I want to also be able to sign script writers and, you know, people who can score film, like more of a broad spectrum of different different writing. Um, all right, so we're going to go into our, uh, our next thing, which is just going to be five for five. I'll, I'll list five things. Just tell me what comes to the top of your mind. Hmm, okay. All right, let's start with, Sacramento. Family. I like that. Well, one of them was going to be your mom. So yeah. I feel like that's still your last one. So I'll let you wait on that one. Okay. But I uh, like family. That works out. That checks out. Uh, let's go dance. Boogie Monsters. That's the name of the dance group. <laughs> that was it. Is it is it one of those? Do you guys all keep in touch still? We do a pretty good job via social media. We definitely could do better. Um, but the group is, the group still exists. It's just like with younger kids that I don't know. So the generation that of Boogie Monsters that I was in, we're like social media buddies still. Will they, will they go on, on tour with you when you end up going on tour? I don't think they would want to. They're all like more family oriented now. Like, I don't know that tour would be their main goal, but I definitely know that they would come support for sure. Um, Let's do Ariana Grande. Best friend. (laughs) It's kind of fun to have your best friend be the person you collaborate with. Oh yeah. It's like a, I'm lucky. It's like a little party. It doesn't feel like work at all. It just feels it's just something we both love to do that we get to do together, you know? Jaguar. Um, well, my first instinct was to say project, but I don't think that's very, like, <laughs> fun. So I guess my first thought is go get it, stream it, buy it, <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> exactly right. Now you're in record yeah. exactly. But it's project and it's okay like projects are take a long time and and uh, you know to finish something you start is really hard yeah yeah so so many people are like i'm an artist and it's like nothing they never finish an album like that's hard it's hard to finish an album yeah yeah i mean well at least one that you feel proud of and that is cohesive and that you know um yeah i just think the focus that it takes to kind of develop a certain sound and 
not get bored of it because I know as as a, on the songwriting side, we love so many different songs and types of music. It could be easy to be like, okay, today I want to do this to, you know, feel fresh and do something different. So it's definitely a big deal to put, bring some, bring it to fruition and put it out. Okay. And then finally, now your mom. Love. <laughs> I just think it's so cool that she had this kind of trust in you as a young woman to go and live your life and was still there to support you. Yeah. That is like, that is some like, some like all-star momage. She's definitely an all-star mom. She's the hero for sure. The heroine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. You know, it's like, as you were saying, when you're older and you want to do your record company, I get the feeling we'll have like six more updates with you on this thing. It happens like every, you know, every year you're putting out so much material and doing so much, you know, it's really impressive. But thank you for doing this. You know, you're, you're leading the way. You have such a good reputation. So many people really like say the nicest things about you behind your back so you should know that you should know that in front of your face that people so thank you again for doing this and uh there you go have a good one thank you so much thanks for listening to this episode of and the writer is if you want to hear music from this songwriter i just interviewed be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silverstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.